fishing for a little compliment there. Uh, y'all like this up here? We're talking about bacon cookies today. Y'all ready? Anybody want some cookies? Come to church next week. No, I'm not joking. Uh, so, so I'm, I'm preaching a message today, and I don't think I'm going to finish it. And uh, so, just stick with me. But the message is called "Put It in the Pot." Are y'all ready? Yeah. yeah, I don't know if y'all are ready this morning. Yeah, ready. Put it in the pot. Yeah. And by the pot, this is what I'm talking about. Put it in the pot. You ever made cookies before? Yeah. My wife makes. Vicky, my wife makes the best chocolate chip cookies on the planet, right? I mean, this is, it's not even competition. So all y'all that think you make the best chocolate chip cookies, you don't, all right? It's, it's, she makes the best chocolate chip cookies in the world. And so that's, that's what I have up here. I have some ingredients. These are all the ingredients that she uses to make. Now, she's the chocolate chip cookie maker, not me. I'm the preacher. So I'm going to preach about chocolate chip cookies, and we'll let her make them, okay? So I'm going to get as far as I can in this message today. Uh, but I, I want to start off just by reading you a scripture, and uh, it's, it's a really powerful scripture. It's, a, it's really the inspiration behind this message and uh, something that God spoke to me. And it's, it's, it's Philippians 1.12. It says this, I want you to know, dear ones, say that's me. You, you are a dear one. I want you to know, dear ones, what has happened to me has not hindered me, but helped my ministry of preaching the gospel, causing it to expand and spread to many people. And, and when I read that, I thought that's so powerful because this hasn't always been my testimony. He says, this is just what Paul says. Paul says, I want you to know, what happened to me did not hinder me, but it helped me. Come on. Yeah. Come on. And I'm like, hmm, that hadn't always been my story. I'll say it again. What happened to me did not hinder me, but it helped me. Whatever happened to you, good or bad, do you view that as something that hindered you? Or do you look at it as something that actually helped you? Paul says, what happened to me didn't hinder me, it helped me. And I'm just like, wow. Because I can think of some things in my life where I say, you know, that happened to me and it really hindered me. Are, y- are y'all alive this morning? You know, they, this thing happened to me when I was a kid. This thing happened to me as an adult. And it really hindered me. It's really hamstrung me in life. And, and so I, I love that. I just wanted to start with that because that's kind of the, we're, we're talking about what happened to us and, and it's good or bad because here's the deal and I chose cookies and y'all, we're not actually baking cookies today. We're, we're, we're building the kingdom, right? We're going to do it talking about cookies though. Josh, I like cookies. I mean, I really do too much probably. But our lives, all of our lives are made up this is why cookies are so good. Because all of our lives are made up of sweet ingredients and bitter ingredients. Every single person in here. You, you, you have some sweet ingredients 
that make up your life and you've got some bitter ingredients that make up your life. But unless we put them in the pot, they won't be fit for consumption. Are y'all with me? Y'all know that God is in the business of making consumer grade Christians. Right? Consumer grade Christians, like edible. Jesus said he was the bread of life. He's like, if you need to feed on something, you can feed on me. And I wonder if that's the testimony of a lot of Christians. Because the problem, the problem with all these ingredients is, is they're all worthless unless you put them in the pot. They're all worthless unless you put them in the You got sweet ingredients, you got bitter ingredients. These two things are being offered. Listen, and, and so, so, so the sweet ingredients, I'm calling those privileges. Now calm down. I realize that's a trigger word in 2020. Okay? Everybody stay calm. It's actually a Bible word before 2020 stole it. Right? Privileges, sweet ingredients. We've all had good things happen to us. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Right? In pain, the bitter ingredients. Everybody say privileges. In pain. And these two things are being offered in mass quantity to our world right now. But Jesus never reached for either one. There was never anyone more privileged and there was never anyone who endured more pain than Jesus Christ. Never. Never anyone more privileged or more victimized that went through, endured more pain than Jesus. And yet he never reached for either one for self-promotion. He never used privilege and he never used pain for self-gain. And the world right now is offering these two things up like come and get it. Here's how you get ahead in life. Here's how you do it. The secret to getting ahead is in these two things. But the Bible doesn't say that. Jesus didn't live that way. The secret to getting ahead in this life is to put it in the pot. Right? And, and so you got bitter ingredients and sweet ingredients, and some of these are a little controversial. Like, how many all, do we all agree on salt? Bitter? Shortening, this is shortening. And this is nothing but the best ingredients. These, these, these cookies are all organic, GMO-free, cage-free, farm-raised, grass-fed. Okay? These are the best cookies. So we got shortening. Would we all agree? Anybody want some shortening? Randy, you want to bite? You good? Flour, anybody just want to? Mike, you want a spoonful of flour? Now, this is controversial ingredient right here. Vanilla. Now, it smells amazing. Right? But who wants a shot? Right? That was back in your BC days, before Christ days. <laughs> Terry's. <laughs> Sucking on the vanilla. All right. So here we go. Now, now this, we, Rachel, me and her went back and forth about this. Sweet ingredient or bitter? 
Does anybody want a bite? Yeah, we're going to have an altar call for you at the end of the service. I put this, I mean, nobody wants, I, I, Bruce, I don't want just bite of butter. No, that's, that's bitter. Any, anybody want a rocky and egg here? We got some cage-free, organic, grass-fed eggs, non-GMO, right? Listen, these chickens were basically, they, they had their life better than I did. So anybody want an egg? It's bitter, bitter ingredient. Baking soda. All of these things are worthless unless we put them in the pot. And, and then you got the sweet ingredients. Some brown sugar. Mmm. Mmm. That's good. But you know, even just, if, if I was to sit down and just, just, just open up my, oh God. There we go. I was getting nervous there. I couldn't open the bag. You ever get a bag of cereal and it basically just emasculates you right there in your kitchen? You're just like, when did they start making cereal impossible to open? So anybody just, I just, I just don't want to like just eat up. Bruce, you want some sugar? Where's Caitlin at? I bet she'd eat some sugar, some brown sugar. No, nobody wants that. That was really a mistake that I just made. Anybody want any white sugar? Right? I like this. It's really playing out well. We've got the dark sugar and the light sugar. Brown sugar, white sugar. None of them good alone. You got to do what with it? That'll preach right there. Man. They were made to be together. All right, that's not what I'm talking about though today. And then you got the, mm, mm, now this one right here. I. I can go to town on this right here, but just for sermon illustration point, we got the milk chocolate morsels. Don't bring that semi-sweet to my house. That ought to be illegal. Milk chocolate morsels. But the, 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 the moral of the story, the whole point of the message is I'm really regretting opening the brown sugar. That was a mistake. Oh, we're making cookies. Mm. Ray Ray, you down? She's down. All right. The whole point is to illustrate that all of these ingredients stand alone are worthless unless we put them in the pot. Let me tell you something. I ain't even got to bake these things. That raw cookie dough... Give me a spoon, Ted, all I need is a spoon and some cookie dough. And I'm telling you, I can go to work, make myself sick on some raw cookies. You know what they tell young people now that they're not supposed to eat cookie dough because it can make them sick. This is the problem with the world in 2020. We need more cookie dough. But you know, I, I want to separate these out and kind of, and I don't think I, I'll, I'm going to be able to get to both of them, but I, I want to start today because we, we don't ever preach about uh, our privileges. We don't ever talk. I, I want to focus on the sweet things in our life. You come to church, everybody talks about the bitter, bitter stuff, and we're going to talk about the bitter stuff, right? But how many, there's not a person in here that doesn't have some sweet things about their life. 
that doesn't have some kind of blessing that they can talk about, right? But, but, but the problem, the whole problem when we're, when we're talking about these privileges is, is standalone. See, this is what the world is going for. Everybody wants more of this and less of this. But the answer isn't more of this and less of this. The answer is to get this in here. The answer is to put it in the pot. What do I do with this? So, so I, I want to just spend a minute and talk about the blessings of your life, the privileges, the great privileges that you've lived through, that I've lived through. And, and so it'll, be a, it'll feel a little strange, maybe. And I, I want to encourage you, stick with me uh, through this message. Uh, and if I don't finish, stick with me through next week and, uh, and, and, and let me preach a full message, Okay. Before you, before you decide to quit the church, right? Quit next week. Don't quit this week, all right? At least you'll go out with a cookie, okay? I ain't never going back there, right? So, but the whole problem with, 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 it, with all of this, but the whole problem when we're, when we're measuring the amount, because right now, as soon as I say privileges, Everybody in the room starts thinking of, of the good things that happens in, has happened in their lives and the, and the wretched things that have happened in their lives. And, and the whole problem with, with this system is the only way to determine what your privileges really are, the only way to measure this is to compare yours to somebody else's. That's the only way this can be measured. It's the only way. The way we measure privilege is to compare our circumstances to someone else's. The real truth is, if that's the case, then every single one of us is more privileged than others and less privileged than others. Are y'all with me? Quit next week. Hopefully you won't. Every single one of us. But the world, the world today is preaching this gospel. I call it the false gospel. It's the almost gospel. It sounds so good in a tweet or a post. And if you put some designs on it, right? Or if you put enough passion behind it or enough emotion with it, it sounds like it's almost gospel. But the problem is it's almost gospel. It's not gospel. And so we have to be able to discern and determine as believers, what is our standard for truth today? Is it Jesus? Is it the word of God? Or is it the wretched state of our nation? Is it emotional outrage? What what, what is the standard? How do we measure this thing, the only way to measure is to compare our lives to somebody else's. It's the only way you can measure. It's the only way you can measure the blessings of your life. I've, I've got to look at my life compared to somebody else's. And the problem with that standard is, is that I'm more blessed than a lot of people and I'm less blessed than others. So what do I do? What, how, do I, how do I reconcile that? Because I, I, we were talking about it just the other day. I, I've, I've literally been to the most 
horrible, awful place in Tijuana, Mexico, an orphanage. Amanda, were you there? I'm trying to think of who all was there. I'm talking about a place in Mexico. I, I, I couldn't, I've been to a lot of places. It's the worst place I've ever been on the earth. Been to Africa and Australia and Papua New Guinea. Been to all kind of, seen all kind of poverty. And this is, this is it's, it's the worst place I've ever been on the earth. No human should ever have to live the way these babies, they were babies, Amanda. It, it, was, it was unbelievable poverty with no way out. Unbelievable living conditions. The least privileged person in this room. Compared to, now I'm going to go somewhere because what I'm doing right now isn't biblical. But we're going to get there, Rhonda. Compared to that two-year-old in that orphanage, you live like a king or a queen, right? Right? See, when we, when we, the only way to measure this is to compare ourselves to each other. And, and, and when we do that, we, we literally are stepping into the world's system of doing things. Because comparison is not biblical. Comparison does not exist in the kingdom of God. Never in the scripture will you find comparison being a way that God measures something to something else, right? Because when you compare, you impair, right? Right? When you compare, you impair. The fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. The fastest way to kill something special is to, is to compare it to something else. You see, the scripture, God doesn't use this scale of your blessings and my blessings to decide who's more important or who has it better in life. That's not the way God does it. Because see, in the scripture, the children of Israel with not a weapon to be found were nothing in comparison to the Egyptian army. But it didn't matter. It didn't matter. God doesn't operate in the realm of comparison. Right? In the scripture, the children of Israel screaming at the thickest wall in the world, there was no comparison. The wall was more powerful. But God doesn't operate in comparison. See, this is why this whole method of determining uh, how, how blessed we are, how blessed somebody else is, or what somebody else has versus what we have, it, whenever you do that, whenever we're saying that another human is more privileged than me, we are actually not operating within biblical parameters. David was literally nothing compared to Goliath. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. Those three Hebrew boys, their skin was nothing compared to the heat of a furnace that had been 
lit up seven times hotter. Didn't matter. We got to get out of the realm of comparison. Daniel was literally nothing compared to a den full of lions. I've watched the videos. You seen a lion? You, you see that dude jump into that tiger cage? He carried him off like he was a little rag doll. You seen the video? Don't watch it. It's horrible. My brother sends me stuff like that all the time. <laughs> Guy's sick, man. He's oh, just messed up, dude. And so Daniel was nothing compared to a den full of hungry lions. Terry? But it didn't matter. Why are Christians trying to find their, their worth and their value in a system that's not even of the God? I mean, how, how long do y'all want me to do this? Five loaves and two fishes were nothing compared to 5,000 people. It didn't matter. We don't live in the realm of comparison. We take whatever we have and we put it in the pot and God gets the glory. We're depending on a mighty God. Can I tell you what would have happened if Daniel would have squared up to those lions? Can I tell you what would have happened if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have put on their fire vests? No, they just surrender to the fact that we are actually nothing compared to what's coming against us. I'm not competing with lions. I'm not competing with fire. I'm not competing with the number of people that I need to feed. I am literally not competing. I am depending on God to do what he said he can do. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I love what... Jesus is having a conversation with Peter. He, Jesus has died. He's risen again. Peter, he, he goes and him and Jesus reconcile. And he's, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's just like, I love you so much, man. I'm going to do anything for you. I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll do whatever you need me to do. And, and so, so, so they're just having this. And Jesus is like, yes, Peter, this is true. You're going to go wherever I want you to go. And let me tell you something. It's not going to actually be where you want to go. To be where I want you to go, but you won't want to go there. You want to talk about Christian life? Who wants to get saved? You go where I want you to go, but you will not want to go there. People are going to tie you up. Jesus begins to prophesy about Peter's death. Peter, it's going to be rough. Actually, what's going to happen is they're going to crucify you upside down. You will die a wretched, terrible, awful, painful, miserable death. Because that's what I want. Ain't nobody preach that gospel. Don might get saved today. And you know what Peter does? I mean, you know, if Jesus is like, they're going to crucify me, be upside down. It's going to be terrible. You start looking around going, Peter looks over at John. This is what happened in the Bible. John, here, I wrote it down. John 21. You can read it. John 21, 18 through 22. It's a true story. 
Bible said it. I'm not making this up. I know y'all hear this true story. And so, so Peter, he gets kind of upset with Jesus. He's like, man, golly, this is going to be rough. But, but I bet you it's going to be rough for John too. He looks over at John, probably laid back on the breast of Jesus. The disciple whom Jesus loved. You read your Bible. This is good, this is real stuff. And so he looks over at John and he says, well, Jesus, if, if this is going to be my lot in life, then what about him? How's his life going to be compared to my life? Is it going to be rough for him too? And I love Jesus. He looks at, he looks at, at Peter and he's like, Jesus doesn't, he doesn't speak this language of comparison. He doesn't even understand it the way we do. Listen to me. Jesus, I don't know what kind of hair he had. I don't think it was blonde and I don't think it was long and I don't think it was curly. Just historically speaking, probably short, black and real curly. Right? He, he, wasn't, he, he, he wasn't like cowabunga surfer guy. Look, but, but Jesus doesn't operate in this. Jesus doesn't get on Instagram and be like, oh, my straight hair, I wish it was curly hair like hers. Right? Right? Jesus didn't get on Instagram and be like, man, I'm 47. I wish I was 40. I'm sorry, that was, I'm just having fun with somebody. And so, no, that's not what Jesus does. He doesn't get on Instagram and scroll through and like, he doesn't, so, so Peter's talking about what's my life going to be compared to his life? And Jesus is like, what, what are these words that you're saying? What are these things that you're speaking right now? I don't understand what's coming out of your mouth because this isn't the way that a follower of mine lives. I love what Jesus says. He says, Peter, what is that? John, why are we talking about John? Why, what are we even having? A, I was talking to you about your life. Why are you talking about John's life? And he says, Peter, what is it to you? What I do with John. If I want that dude to live until I come back again, then he'll stay alive. But then he, look, then he looks at Peter and he says, Peter, mm, and, I, and I imagine it. You ever grab one of your kids' cheeks? You know what I'm talking about? 2020. We don't. We, we lovingly, we lovingly. You ever grab their cheeks and say, "I want you to hear what I'm about to tell you." I, I, I think I, I'm not for sure. Scripture doesn't say this, but maybe this is the way I read it. Peter, come here. What's to you what I do with John? You follow me. But we're over here playing this game as believers, American believers. Trying to play this game about who's got the upper hand on who. Can I tell you something? I'm going to tell you the same thing God told the, the Israelites with the Egyptian army. The same thing he told the Israelites with the thick wall. Same thing he told Shagrat, Meshach, and Abednego. Same thing he told David and Goliath. Same thing he told Daniel and the lion's den. Same thing he told the boy with the five loaves and the two fishes. Who cares? Who cares? 
Who's got the upper hand here? Who, who's got the upper hand here? Can I tell you something? If I'm sitting around trying to find out if I've got the upper hand, because of whatever the world says gives me the upper hand, God's sitting there saying, I don't, listen to me, I don't care what gender you are. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how many parents you had. I don't care about, listen, your education means nothing to me. It, whatever you have that you think of as a value, why don't you put it in there so I can do what I say I'm going to do? Because my sugar outside of the pot is worthless. Whatever I think I've got that gives me the advantage. If I don't put it in there, then it's not building the kingdom, it's hurting the kingdom. How much time do I have? Okay. You see, golly, I'm, I just read, I keep reading the Bible. Oh God, please read your Bible. Please, please, please read your Bible because what's going to happen is you're going to read your Bible and you're going to look at the Bible and you're going to go, well, that doesn't go with the, what, what everybody's saying. That doesn't fit with what everybody's saying. This doesn't line up with this, with, with, with this message that all these different groups, this, the Republicans said this, but the Bible doesn't say that. Well, the Democrats said this, but I can't find that in the Bible. Let me take it a step. The pastor said that, but it's not in the Bible. I don't care who said what does the word of God say? Paul told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians, he said, if you want to be unwise, measure yourselves by yourselves. (laughs) Compare yourselves to each other. Well, I've got this and I was raised like this and that was. I've got money in the bank. I don't have any money in the bank. You got more money in the bank than the kid did in Mexico. I'm going to preach about that in a second because that's that's actually not the way out of what to do with your stuff. Oh, what was I doing? I was talking about the Bible. Read your Bible. Because, because the people of God don't operate in the world's fair system. The world only has a fair system. That's all it has, a fair system. We've got we we to try to make things as equal and fair as possible. And I'm not saying that things should not be equal and things shouldn't be fair. Please don't hear me say that. And I don't think that there's wrong with anything, uh, anyone fighting and giving their life for that cause. That's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is Christians... If you're not a Christian in here, welcome to the fair system of the world. That's all you've got. All you've got is, is, is if somebody can make your life equal to somebody else's life. But if you're a believer, you don't operate by the fair system. There is no fair system in the kingdom of God. There is no fair system in the word of God. We live by a favor system. Favor. I don't want fair. I want favor. 
Because God can take me places. I, it may not be fair the way that I was born or the, or the circumstances of my life, but if I have the favor of God on my life, I don't need fair. God can get me where he wants to get me without any of the world's permission or approval. He can do what he wants to do. There is nobody that can stop the plan of God in your life. Nobody. We've just got to be settled that the plan of God for our life might not look like what the plan of God for somebody else's life is. Peter, look at me. Don't worry about what I'm doing over here. You follow me. Colby, don't get sideways on what everybody's doing. You follow me. Because can I tell you something? You have a custom plan for your life. Literally, our lives, each one of us, our life plan is as custom as our DNA. It's as custom as our fingerprints. And if I'm trying to make mine look like somebody else's, then I'm missing out on what God has for my life. I have really... All right, here we go. Y'all ready? I just want to read this scripture. This is a strange height for me, the height of this table. I'm not used to it. Philippians 2.5. What's that? Speak perfect for me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, all right. Philippians 2.5. So good. Jesus, listen to me. Do you want to get ahead in life? Well, maybe if everything's fair, I can be uh, further ahead. Maybe if, maybe if I had everything that they had, I could be further ahead. Maybe if I had all the opportunities that they had, I could be further ahead. Maybe if I really trusted and believed that God can do what he said he can do, I could get ahead. Philippians 2.5. Think of yourselves the way that Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God. That's so good. But he didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave. He became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. So good. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life. He's literally God, deity. He has all these special privileges. The sweetness of, uh, there's never been another human that walked the earth that was more privileged than Jesus Christ. He was God. But it says that he would not touch the privileges, but he lived a selfless and obedient life to the Father. And he would not touch the privilege of being God Instead, he surrendered that privilege to God and said, God, you do with my life what you want to do with my life. He lived a selfless and obedient life and then died a selfless and obedient death. The worst kind of death, the crucifixion. You see, the cross is the pot. It's the dumping ground of everything that we hold dear and everything that we despise. And if we'll take those things and put them in the pot, we're not baking cookies, we're building a kingdom, but our lives will suddenly become consumer grade. 
Jesus never touched his privilege. And when self is at the center, privileges are dangerous. Our privileges are so dangerous. When I keep the milk chocolate morsels for me, if I use my advantages on myself, this is a, dang- this is a dangerous thing. My race is a dangerous thing. My gender is a dangerous thing. My bank account is a dangerous thing. If I use it for me. But let me tell you something. If, if, if I will be willing to live the life, and I can't do this myself. This is the way he lived, and then he put his life in me. Jesus literally never touched his milk chocolate morsels. He surrendered them to the Father. What are you doing with your morsels? But I like this. It says that it, says that it was an incredibly humbling process. Everybody say process. process. Because right now, I know what you're thinking. You're like, well, Colby, have you, have you put all your morsels in the pot? Uh, they're, they're probably not. No way I've put my morsels on the pot. I'm still living in some way, shape, or form a selfish, I mean, a selfish Life. Why? Because this isn't a destination. I can't get a revelation or hear a sermon and then completely deal with all my issues. This is a process. This is a process that I'm going through. And as the Holy Spirit reveals, hey, Colby, you know that, that advantage that you have in that area? Yeah. Well, you're being really selfish with it. Why don't you surrender that to me? Well, God, it really causes me a lot of comfort, a lot of uh, Good times. He said, why, why don't you surrender that to me so, I, so, so that this isn't about your comfort, but it's about my, the purposes that I have in the earth. When God is at the center and our privileges are surrendered to him, the kingdom is built. 1 Peter 5, 7. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's too fast. Don't go, to that, don't go to that scripture yet. I just want to say these real fast and then I'll wrap this message up. There are three possible responses that the world offers us. That the world offers us. What we do with these privileges. We're going to talk about pain next week. Three, three, three possible responses. And, and, and the first one is pride. Pride, right? Man, I am the man. Chaney, I was just born in this wonderful situation and I was, you know, whatever it is. I, I, I have all these advantages. I am the man. I'm the stuff. And, 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 and I get prideful. We get prideful in our stuff. And, and, and we all know that pride isn't the way to go because it says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. How do I humble myself? I humble myself by saying, God, I, I realize and recognize the strengths and advantages that I have in my life, and, and, and I will not surrender them to the world. I will not use them for myself, but I will surrender them to you. I'll put it in the pot. So you've got pride, and then there's shame. The, the world will offer you shame. A lot, a lot of shame going around. And I'm telling you, it, 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 almost, it almost seems like the gospel, but it's not. God doesn't operate in shame. And see, it, 
And shame comes whenever we compare ourselves with other people. And see, this is what I'm saying about uh, the mission trip and why it's really not a good example. I've taken lots of people on lots of mission trips. Pastor, taken lots of people on lots of mission trips. And what happens is whenever you walk down the streets, whenever you go sit in a mud hut in Africa, it's not actually mud, it's actually cow manure. You, leave, you sit in a mud hut in Africa and you drink their tea, you begin to feel ashamed. Right? You begin to get this feeling of, and I was griping about my house the other day. And I was, you start to feel ashamed. Or whenever you're, you're these young people, and, and I'll never forget, Quentin was there. First trip, Emily was there. First trip to, to Tijuana with these kids. We walked down these streets. And, and the filth, their toilets, they didn't have just the sewer just came out to the street. They weren't even homes. They were just, I don't even know what you call them. They're not homes. No human should have to live this way. And you walk down the streets, and, and I'll never forget these young people. Ethan was there. Is Ethan in here? Ethan was there. We're walking down the street. We've got probably 15 young people. and We're walking down these streets, and there wasn't one of us that wasn't weeping. We're just walking down the streets, and we're just, we're just crying. We're walking down the street. The dog in front of us literally stopped, had a puppy in the middle of the street and didn't even turn around and look at it. It kept on going because it knew that it could not sustain itself and the puppy. I'm talking about, I'm I'm talking about, am, am I wrong? We're just weeping. And there, there comes this sense of shame and then this thing happens. I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna be thankful. I'm going to be thankful for everything I have. I'll never, I'll never. You, you go to Mexico, the kids, here's what they do. They, they, Mexican Cokes are different than the American Cokes. I'll never gripe about an American Coke again. Can I tell you how long when we realize our privileges and we're just like, you know what we're going to do? You know, here's what I'll do. I, I, I realize now that I have this. You know what? I'm, I'm going to put it right here and I'm not going to, I'm going to be grateful for what I have now. Shame. Shame. You know how long mission trip shame lasts? Two weeks. Pastor, I've done the measurements. I've collected the data. Two weeks. Two weeks. And you've picked them back up. See, the world, the, world will, the world will say, you need to be ashamed. You need to be ashamed at the good things that have happened in your life. You need to be ashamed. That's what they tell me. Colby, you need to be ashamed that you had two parents. Colby, you need to be ashamed. And, and I'm like, oh, gosh. You need to be ashamed. You got a high school education. Don't you realize not everybody gets that? You need to be ashamed. Oh, you know how long that lasts? Two weeks. There's only one thing to do with this. It is filthy and wretched in our hands. It is filthy and wretched if we surrender it to the world. Now we have to live like worms, like God hasn't blessed us or ever done anything in our lives. We just have to slink around. Here, here world, 
Okay, I'm not supposed to have this. You take it. I'm just going to just live my life now. I'm just going to go over here and try to be ashamed of all the good things that have ever happened to me. Isn't this the crazy plan of the devil? The devil will let us keep them and be proud of them. You can't take away my rights. I'm American. Okay, I'm going to get off. I got to stop. I'll, I'll, get, I'll get to. to. Are y'all following me or am I making any sense? The world, it'll say, you, you keep that. You be proud of that. Or it'll say, you better give that to me. You shouldn't have that. Pride, shame, envy. Or we look at it and go, man, all I got is semi-sweets and they got milk chocolate. Pride, shame, envy. All we can do is look at the blessings that we have and be disgusted with them because we don't perceive them to be as good as the blessings of somebody else. So here we take what God has given us And we either keep it for ourselves selfishly or we surrender it to the world and live like worms or we look at it and don't realize its value because all we see is everybody else's. And God says, none of those things are my design. None of them. The only reason that this has value is because it's something that I don't keep for myself. I don't hand it over to the world. I don't, I don't belittle it by comparing it to somebody else's. The only reason this has value is because I've got something that I can give to God. Put it in the heart. Put it in the pot. I want to read the scripture to end. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 3, I'm going to start about halfway down. We are, it says, we are those who boast in Jesus. I won't do that. This is Paul. Paul talking about all the privileges of his life and what he wants to do with them. He says this, we are those who boast in what Jesus Christ has done, not what we can accomplish through our own strength. It's true that I once relied on all that I had become, and I had reason to boast and impress people with my accomplishments more than others. Look at this, for my pedigree was impeccable. I'm telling you, America would have hated Paul. They they would have chewed him up and spit him out. Pedigree was impeccable. I, 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 love, I love Paul. He's like, man, I, 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 got, I got a good history. I had the right parents. I was born into the right race. He says, I was born a true Hebrew, the heritage of Israel. He, he was the right color. He, he was the right race. The supreme race. The, 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 literally, he was a Hebrew, God's chosen people. This one says, 
I was circumcised the eighth day after my birth. Everything went right in his life from birth. I mean, he can look back to being eight days old and things are going the way they're supposed to go. I mean, this dude has, this guy's got some sweet ingredients. And I was raised in the strict tradition of Orthodox Judaism. His parents took him to church. Living separated in a devout life as a Pharisee. And concerning the righteousness of the Torah, no one surpassed me. I graduated top of my class. Had the right parents. I'm the right color. I had the right childhood. I got the best education. Graduated top of my class. I was without a peer. Furthermore, as a fiery defender of the truth, I persecuted Messianic believers with religious zeal. Yet all of the accomplishments that I once took credit for, all of the accomplishments that I once took credit for, I've now forsaken them. And I regard them as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. (laughs) To truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing it all my and throwing all my boasting on the garbage heap. It's all like a pile of manure to me now so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace him as Lord in all of his greatness. Wow. Paul said, you know what? I'm telling you, the biggest lie that, some, that the enemy's told some, some, some people sitting in this room right now, maybe you're watching online, the biggest lie is that there's nothing sweet in your life. You need to find it, and then you need to surrender it. Paul said, I'm going to put it all in the garbage heap, a pile of manure. Can I tell you what the cross was? The cross was a garbage heap. It was a place for collecting the cesspool of filth called sin for the entire human race. I don't care if your stuff is sweet or your stuff is sour. I don't care if it's sweet. I don't care if it's bitter. It all belongs in the pot because it's not usable in the hands of God until we've gotten it out of our hands. Surrender it. Golly, just God is so good. Amen. You know, I, I want to hold Christ above creed. I, I want Jesus to be the, the, the number one, the first place thing in my life. And I'm telling you, there's, there's so much noise in the world today, and I'm not trying to add to it. But if I could just provoke somebody in here to quit listening to the false 
the false gospel, the almost gospel, but it's not quite it. Open the word of God and say, I'm not going to waste what God has given me on myself. I'm not going to surrender it to the world and live in shame. I'm not going to keep looking at what I have and comparing it to what somebody else has. I'm just going to surrender it to Jesus. And this is an incomplete message. I'm going to finish this message next week. EFJ is going to be in here, and uh, we're having baptisms next week. Amen? Amen. And we're going to talk about the rest of the stuff we need to put in the pot. And then I want to tell a quick story about Moses. And uh, I believe it's going to be really powerful. It's, it's, it's literally shaking my life. It's shaking my life. What happened to me didn't hinder me, but it helped me. Whether it's sweet or it's bitter, what happened to me did not hinder me. It helped me when I placed it in the hands of Jesus, when I surrendered to the cross of Jesus Christ and allow him to have it. You know, the cross can mix all that stuff up and something so incredible can come from it. And I almost feel ridiculous comparing the, the, what God does to a cookie, but it works in the illustration. Amen? Amen. It's so much. We're not baking cookies. We're building the kingdom. But tomorrow, we, I mean, next week, we will have cookies. Gray, Ray, do I get a commitment from you? You're committing for the entire church. Homemade cookies. I don't, listen, I want organic flour. I want this non-GMO. This is, all right. She did it. Can you give the Lord a hand clap?